You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Of course, if you're just waking up, just getting rolling, welcome in. It is Tuesday, May 12th. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. we got plenty to keep us busy. On this Tuesday edition, of course, you know the deal, 60 minutes. We run through it all in one hour. So let's roll, of course, to the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today. Among the topics that we will discuss in this next hour, I'll give you my review of uh, Episode 8 of The Last Dance. Got that done yesterday. We will talk about that Mike Tyson uh, workout video that he put up on uh, Instagram. They got uh, Twitter all abuzz. Mike Greenberg with a very uh, interesting take on the potential return of the NBA if it is able to return this season. But let's start with the headlines, of course. Major League Baseball owners yesterday approving that proposal that uh, Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, now plans to present to the players. I believe today kind of gives you the layout of what baseball is hoping to have in a return to the field. And, of course, you know the deal on that by now. The hope is that they would be able to return by July. Some of the other details of the plan approved by the owners yesterday. An expansion of the playoffs from 10 to 14 teams. Hate that. But, okay, 82-game season, you would be using or they would be using the home stadiums in areas that have local and state government approval. Ones that did not, those teams would obviously have to play someplace else. Spring training, the second round, would start in June with um, the season set to start in July. They would have a universal DH. So both leagues would have the DH, and you'd have to think that if they ever did get this up and running and going, that if they ever got the universal DH into the National League, it would be here to stay, right? Like, that's that's uh, something that's been talked about, I feel like, my entire life. And uh, if they ever did get it in, even for one season, I don't think that they would ever go back to not having it again. So that, to me, that would be an improvement as an, as an American League fan rather than having the pitcher hit. Uh, and then the other thing would be your the rosters would be expanded to 30-man, and uh, you'd have a taxi squad of upwards of 50 players available. So uh, in terms of those those plans, all those things seem like they're in the ballpark, pun intended, I guess, uh, to, to get things going. I, I'm not crazy about the expanded playoffs, but that was going to happen with the pandemic, with a pandemic, without a pandemic. That's eventually going to happen. 82 games. That would be fantastic. I, I think everybody is all on board for that. Of course, all of those things are easy. None of those things has been a point of contention for anyone. The big issues, the actual, the actual issues would be I think concerns about how the league is going to handle testing and making sure that everything is is safe for the players, right? Making a safe work environment or as safe a work environment as you could possibly have. And then what else? What else would uh, be among the things that they would be discussing? Ah, I can't. Oh, right. Money. 
money. It always comes down to money, not just with baseball, but with anybody. And with no fans in the stands, the owners obviously are going to be concerned about the financial impact that will have on their bottom line. So among their plan, one of the things is that it would include a 50-50 revenue split with the players. So the players are not going to be happy about that. Everybody, I mean, that that's that's basic. The players on their side, they want to keep the, the normal pay structure intact. And in fairness to them, back in March, they already agreed to a pay cut so that they would get a prorated salary based on how many games were actually played in the season. And this is where the rubber hits the road, right? The ability to work out a deal on the financials is the big holdup, or at least one of the big holdups. I mean, there's certain things that are out of baseball's control. This is one that is clearly within their control. And Jeff Passan was on SportsCenter last night with Scott Van Pelt, and he made it clear this week for baseball is going to be ugly. This week is going to get really ugly. I still think at the end of the day, after all the consternation, after all of the, the fighting that's about to happen, that both parties recognize that being out on the field is better than the alternative. But to get there, there are a lot of things that they have to do to figure out first to try and get there. Chief among them, the financial aspect, and of course you can't look past the health and safety aspect either. And those are two absolute whoppers to have to deal with before the players actually get to go to spring training 2.0 in the middle of June. All right, so obviously the players' union is not going to agree to the financial aspects of this deal. The other stuff, which is the bullet points and the and a lot of times the things that ends up in the headlines, they're absolutely meaningless. The, the financial stuff and then obviously the safety of the players as well, those are going to be the things that are actually going to be negotiated. So Tony Clark, who is the head of the baseball, he's the executive director of the Baseball Players Association, He said, this is not the first salary cap proposal our union has received. It probably won't be the last. That the league is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they failed to achieve in the past and to anonymously negotiate through the media for the last several days suggests they know exactly how this will be received. And that's right. In fair, like, this is a negotiation, right? So there's real concerns for both sides. And I don't think that there's necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. But at the end of the day, baseball has to work out an agreement. And if there is no baseball because of the medical situation, the health and safety of the players, the logistics of getting things up given the time frame, I think that everybody, well, I mean, I'm not going to say everybody, but I think that there will be criticism for Major League Baseball. But I think most people will understand, given the situation, it's kind of out of their hand. But if the owners and players don't have a season or don't even get to a conversation about a season, Because they can't agree on how the money shakes out. This will be the most embarrassing thing that baseball's done in my lifetime. That really I can think of any sport has done in their lifetime. Given what we're going through. Given the state of the country. The unemployment situation. And given the opportunity. Given the opportunity that baseball would have. 
even with no fans in the stands, to have the stage all to themselves and that they can't even find their way to the stage because while they were tying their shoes, they tied their shoelaces together. Here's Jeff Passan. Does baseball find common ground? Apparently, all you need to do is just get Method Man and Raekwon to come together, one on one side of the table, one on the other. You get Wu Tang Financial involved; it'll be absolutely great. Diversify um, your bonds, no, definitely, definitely. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think what you need to do is you need to get the animus out of the way. When Major League Baseball lost a World Series, it was because MLB wanted to institute a cap. And because the union said no. I don't think we're going to be at that point now where in the middle of a pandemic, they are going to lose a season. I'd like to think that they've learned their lessons. I'd like to think that they recognize that if you don't play this year, next year looks even worse for everyone involved. That being said, there have been more stubborn people in the world before. All right, so there's Jeff Passan on SportsCenter last night. I think the fact that 94 was canceled the way it was, uh, I think it would be easier to cancel this year than back then. I will say that because, again, back then it was completely within their grasp to work out a deal, and they didn't do it. This time there is at least a certain – I mean, you can de- debate how much of an aspect of it is out of their hands, but – at least this time there is stuff that's out of their hands. So, But if they can't come to a financial agreement even before the other conversations take place of the health and safety, well, then I think that baseball, who gets ridiculed sometimes unfairly, this one would be 100% justified. So here's a passing one more time about uh, talking about how this week for baseball is going to suck. Let this be reality. This week's going to suck. Like it just is. But at the beginning of any negotiation, when you've got two Rams that are willing to butt heads like that, that's what this is. You get it out of the way now. You get the positions that are too extreme off the table and then you make a deal. Let's try and ride this one out as smoothly as possible, knowing that in order for a deal to happen eventually, You have to have this at the beginning because it's going to provide the foundation ultimately for them to meet in the middle. All right, so there's passing on with uh, Scott Van Pelt last night. I like the last one where he was saying, well, you know, they just have to put the animus aside. (laughs) Oh, is that all? Is that all they have to? And here I thought working out an an agreement on the money would be difficult, but uh, the animus between the baseball players and owners, well, the Hatfields and the McCoys, they just have to forget about what happens has happened in the past. They just have to come to an agreement. Okay. Uh, here's Buster only. Now, Jeff, I think is, 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 uh, optimistic, right? Like he thinks that it's going to be ugly, but that an agreement will take place. The baseball will be played this year. Uh, in the other corner, here's Buster only from Spain and Company. I am more skeptical in this hour that there will be baseball played this year than I have been at any point, just seeing all this public fighting erupt out out into the open, uh, because you guys know, no matter which side you think is right or wrong, they're all going to lose in the court of public opinion, uh, and they're going to be entrenched. 
All right, so there's Buster only. He's uh, looking at it from, I guess, more of a uh, negative point of view. Look, the headline that the MLB owners agreed to a plan yesterday means zero. I mean, I mean it's it, it's staging a PR battle, right? So they, they're the first ones to get in on saying, well, the owners agreed on a plan. Meanwhile, I mean, it, it, they didn't agree on anything. They just worked. Okay, this is this is exactly what we – it would be like arguing with your wife, right, about a topic and saying, well, you know what? I agree that this is the right plan of action. Meanwhile, the the argument is not with yourself. It's with the other person. So if there's no agreement, I don't think the – the, the, the diehard fan will, will see it this way. But I think that there are some people will be like, well, the owners agreed. Why didn't the play? It's almost like it's on the players now to work out a deal where, no, it's on both sides to work out a deal. And as I said, I don't think there's any good, good guys or bad guys here. I don't think anybody is, is, is operating with negative intent. But, and in fairness to the players, they already agreed to some salary reductions back in March. So if, if the baseball owners, you know they're they're kind of coming to this a second time where the players are saying you know we already agreed to this. My question would be for the baseball owners, you know they're willing to conduct a baseball season, or are they if they are going to suffer financial losses and how much financial losses are they willing to accept? You know it's all well and good to talk about healing America and the ability of baseball to help the country through hard times and kumbaya. That's the easy part. That's the you know the political part. That's simple. It's far tougher when you know you're not going to make a profit. And would they be willing to have a season if they were just not going to make a profit? Not even losses. If they were not going to make a profit, if they were just going to break even, would they still, I mean, would they still be able and willing to, to have a baseball season? I think they would, but I don't know. I don't have, I certainly don't have a whole lot of confidence that if they're going to take a loss, that they still feel that the power of baseball to heal the country and get ba- baseball will get the country through hard times. They're doing that because they're also going to be making money in the process. 1 800 919 ESPN, 1 800 919 So coming up, we will talk a, a little last dance. You can get in on the baseball if you want. Uh, but the last dance, I said yesterday, I think that episode seven so far has been my favorite one. Episode eight, I guess kind of tried to f- also focus on the emotional aspects of the story. I- I'm not sure that it landed, so we'll-, we'll talk about that. Plus, speaking of landing, the two most tweeted about athletes yesterday felt like it was Jordan and the last dance and then Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson posted a workout video to his, I guess, his Instagram, and uh, it got uh, Twitter a buzz. So uh, that's the focus of the poll question for today. It's up on Twitter, where you usually find Twitter poll questions. I, I find that that almost 100% of the time, Twitter poll questions are found on Twitter. Uh, but the poll question is, Twitter was all a buzz yesterday after Mike Tyson posted a workout video, which, I mean, he, lo- I mean, he looks like Mike Tyson. He's unbelievable. Uh, would you pay... $20 in this global pandemic new normal that we live in and we're all finding things to watch and all desperate for things to watch. Would you pay 20 bucks to watch a Mike Tyson comeback fight? Two options for you. Hell yeah, heavens no. And for whoever, it seems like every day that I post a question, 
There's always somebody who's like, well, you know, this is not really – you only have two options. You No, it's about making a hard decision. It's not about finding the, the most perfect, oh, well, this is how I feel. I can't give you 700 different options. That's what the comments are for. So, yes, two options. Hell yeah, heavens no. You can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Day. Poll question up for today. We will get to that in just a second. But I did want to kind of touch on episode eight of The Last Dance, which focused on Jordan's return to the NBA, the 95 playoffs where they lost the Magic, and the the following season and how that loss spurred Jordan to, I guess, greater heights and the way, I guess, that he could take any slight, any negative comment or trash talk or anything and use it as motivational fuel in his desire to be the greatest. I think that that was the main focus of, of, of episode eight. Uh, and I said yesterday, I thought episode seven was my favorite. I think episode eight was kind of my least favorite. It just didn't land for me. And there was just too many things that I felt like they were forcing the issue, right? Like spending as much time as they did on BJ Armstrong playing for the Hornets in a playoff series. Really? Watching the Gary Payton video. Now that was funny. Jordan's reaction to that video was funny. And, and that's, that's the type of stuff that I like. But the examples overall seemed like they were just kind of creating something. Like they knew they wanted to touch on this and this was the best they had, right? Like some guy who had a good game once against Jordan. So it was a home and home series and, and they played, I think it was the Bullets. Maybe it was the Wizards at the time. I don't remember. Um, what was it, Brian? It was the bullets. It was the bullets. Okay. Um, that he, you know, he was going to score as many points as this guy scored on him in one game. All right. Fine. Uh, George Carl not saying hello to Jordan in a restaurant one time. Uh, come on. It, 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 it's all I'm, now look, I guess maybe this is true that this is what motivated Jordan. I think what motivated he was just the best. And look, he'll find any motivation. I guess when you're that great, you do have to find motivation in whatever. But I mean, it's George, like putting it on George Carl in some way, as if, if George Carl went to another restaurant, Michael Jordan would have taken, well, he didn't go to the same restaurant as me. Well, that's a sign that he's disrespect. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It just didn't really land for me. It didn't really work for me. Um, the, the, the breakfast with BJ Armstrong that got Jordan to return to basketball. I mean, come on. <laughs> I think he was, I think his mind was pretty much made up that he was going to be returning to, and, and I don't, and maybe people felt differently at the time. I don't get the sense, and I know I didn't, that when he retired for the first time, that the first retirement was forever. I think pretty much at the time, when he retired for the first time, even he was willing to admit that it's probably not forever. It was just he needed a break. He was burned out. The death of his father. Living that life with with the attention on him all times. It has to be has to be just grueling. I said that in, I think, the first or second episode that it, the one sense that you got was being Michael Jordan had to be absolutely exhausting. 
But I just didn't, the episode just didn't land for me like the way that episode seven did, especially the way that episode seven ended. I thought was as strong as you could get. It felt like episode eight was trying to play on the same kind of emotional heartstrings. Uh, just for me, it, it didn't land. The loss in 95 and the singular focus and it all, you know, that was another thing, right? They lose in 95 to the magic, right? And they have to tell the story now about how Jordan's focus. He took that loss in 95 and he used it as fuel to get back to the top of the mountain. And it's all about winning, his ruthless pursuit of winning. And the day after the season ended in 95, his trainer said, well, whenever you're ready to, to, to get focused on next year. And Jordan said, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then he went and filmed a movie about basketball playing space aliens. I mean, you know, I mean, look, maybe maybe he was just the best. Maybe he was just the best. And like, I get the part of that was this singular focus about winning, but it was it was mostly because he was the best, and that all the other things are secondary to his talent level. So for me, episode eight was not. Now, let me make this clear because it seems like some people misconstrue what I said. I'm not saying that it was a bad episode. It was still fascinating to watch. It was well produced. I still found myself enthralled in it. And if episode nine had been available after episode eight, even though I didn't really care for episode eight all that much, I would still have watched episode nine. So it's still very, very binge worthy. But it uh, it was not my favorite of. But it's still better than a lot of stuff that I'm watching otherwise. I'll tell you that right now. The one thing from episode seven that I failed to mention yesterday, bad job by me, was the decision by Scottie Pippen to sit out the final play in 94 against the Knicks, 1.8 seconds to go. And he said it was a huge mistake, but that he would do the same thing. And well, then either it's the either it's inexcusable or it's not. And it clearly was inexcusable. So for for Scottie Pippen. To, oh, he was so upset, and Bill Cartwright was crying, and all these things, and Scotty's quit on the team. And then you take all the emotion away from the moment by saying, well, you know, if I had to do the same thing over again, I would. Nobody should be – a lot of people benefited from Jordan's return to basketball. Nobody probably benefited more than Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen was a fantastic talent. He was a, a sensational defensive player, fantastic. But uh, the the documentary is highlighting a lot of the flaws that he had as well. And he should be probably more grateful that than anyone that Jordan made his return when he did. Because everybody always talks about, well, you know, the year that Jordan left in 94, the Bulls were still a good team and Scottie Pippen was the focus. Yeah, the following year, by the time Jordan came back, what were they, 33 and 31 or something like that? The, the, the bloom was off the rose at that point, and if Jordan had not returned, the Bulls' dynasty would have ended as we knew it at that point. And I'm pretty sure even if they made the same other moves, like bringing in Rodman and all the other moves that they made, uh, when if Jordan did not return, 
it would not have still the the power of the triangle. I don't think would have uh, been uh, nearly quite the same. So. I did kind of laugh, uh, and I, fa- I failed to mention it yesterday, about, well, you know, it was this huge mistake. I wish I could take it back. But you know what? If I had the opportunity to do it all over again, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> well, apparently you don't feel as bad. Usually when you feel bad about something, if you had the chance to do it over again, you wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, Scotty Pippen, apparently he would. All right, so uh, the poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Now, I don't know. Maybe people did not see it. I feel like when I was on Twitter yesterday, all that anybody was talking about was this Mike Tyson workout video that he posted. He posted it to his Instagram account, and uh, much like uh, Mike Ty- uh, much like Michael Jordan, at the end of it, he said, "I'm back." I guess hinting at the, uh, I guess the possibility, at least, of maybe a return to the ring. So our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is about would you pay... Look, we're not going to ask you simply, would you watch a Mike Tyson comeback fight? Think about during this time, all the bad stuff you've watched. I watched that show Outer Banks on uh, Netflix. Oh my God, that is terrible. And it's like in the top 10 on Netflix. People on Netflix... What that ranking system tells you is that people on Netflix have absolutely no taste. That show... You could write that on the back of a matchbook and, and, and come up with something better. Ooh, not, not a, not a good story at all. But I digress. So we're not going to just simply ask you, would you watch a Mike Tyson fight? Clearly you would. But would you actually pay money? Now we're not going to put it at a hundred dollars. That's, that's a bit steep, but 20 bucks. Enough of an effort that you actually have to go and, and get $20 to watch the fight. Would you still do it? What the hell did you trade Jay Buna for? <laughs> he had 30 home runs over 100 RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Well, you know, it was a good prospect, no question about it. But my baseball people love Ken Phelps bat. They kept saying, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. All right, so our moment of inspiration, obviously, the passing of Jerry Stiller yesterday at the age of 92. It kind of came up during the show, so we weren't able to use a uh, moment of inspiration of uh, Frank Costanza. But we certainly righted that today. And, um, you know, just watching Twitter, as I said yesterday, I was on Twitter a lot. And everyone posting the clips, especially some of the bloopers. They had the uh, the blooper of when uh, George gets picked up by the cops. I'm trying to think of what he was, he was, he was being the bad boy, right? That episode where he was being the bad boy and, and Jerry Stiller and Julie Louis Dreyfus, who could not keep a straight face from him, you know, delivering his lines. Um, but between Festivus and the, the, the move in the car and, and Del Boca Vista or the time that, uh, George was getting the interview to be a bra salesman. He's explaining how the cups work. Yeah. I know. I know how the cups work. Uh, he was a fantastic character on Seinfeld, and, and Jerry Stiller had a huge career beyond that, but I think that's what he's best remembered for, especially with me. But that clip there about yelling at Steinbrenner about uh, <laughs> Jay Buhner, you know, so many times they, they a, a, a movie or a TV show will put something sports-related into the, 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 the script, and it doesn't really read right. That is the perfect example of something reading right because when they traded away Jay Buhner for Ken Phelps 
That was one that if, if any Yankee fan could have seen George Steinbrenner at the time, that is something that they would have yelled at him, and uh, he delivered it perfectly. So Jerry Stiller, uh, lots of uh, tributes on uh, Twitter yesterday for his passing, and uh, just wanted to use that for a moment of inspiration or for this Tuesday. And yesterday also was the 11th, and I saw yesterday, I did, this didn't come to mind, but May 11th was the day, at least that they give in Goodfellas, that um, Henry Hill got picked up by the cops, right? He had to take uh, he had to take uh, what's her name out to uh, to pick up her lucky hat, and he gets busted. That's the day. So we didn't use that yesterday, and I, I didn't uh, go back and and look to see if we could even use a cl- that clip. I think that there was some some language issues, but uh, there you go. All right, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It is ninety eight point seven FM ESPN New York. Our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer, focuses on Mike Tyson. You might be waking up at 5.30 in the morning saying, oh, my God, what year What? What? What year is it we're talking about Mike Tyson? Well, the reason why I'm talking about Mike Tyson is that he posted this workout video yesterday to Instagram of him, I guess, kind of in – not in the ring, but uh, in the gym, you know, kind of working the gloves and everything else. So people, I guess, are just so desperate for things to watch right now that when you see Tyson, he looks – I mean, he looks intimidating for sure. And he wrapped up the video by saying, I'm back. I guess at least hinting at the possibility. I don't know that, uh, that anything is in the works, but that he could, you know, kind of return to the ring. And, and I get it. Look, it's Twitter. But people, they lose their minds. People tweeting out, Mike Tyson's back and he's better than ever. Uh, is he really back and better than, back and better than ever? You, you really believe that? Mike Tyson, he's still got it. He's still the baddest man on the planet. People, can you ever just keep things in perspective for like 10 seconds? 12 seconds, max. First off, it's an ad. It's an advertisement. That's what that is. I know it's not a commercial that's running on TV saying, hi, I'm Mike Tyson, buy this product. But that's an ad. It's for something called smart cups. Now, what smart cups? I have no idea, but I know that it's an ad. I don't have to know what the ad is for to know that that is an advertisement. That is a commercial. That is product placement on Mike Tyson's Instagram feed. So the question that we pose today is, would you pay $20 to watch a a Mike Tyson comeback fight? Because that's obviously where people are going to go with this. Well, look. I, if I had a vote in the poll question, I would probably say yes. Because given the world that we're living in, as I detailed, I'm watching far worse things than a Mike Tyson fight. But can we keep it in perspective? He's 53 years old, people. Mike Tyson is not undefeated, but as we all know, Father Time is. He's not fought since 2005. That's 15 years ago. I figured that math out all in my head, all by myself. And in case you don't remember back in 2005, it wasn't like he went out on top. This is not the last dance. He lost to somebody by the name of Kevin McBride in his final fight. Before that, he lost to Danny Williams. He got knocked out in the fourth round. 
So maybe it's like a retirement type thing where he fights somebody his own age. Maybe then, all right, my, I might watch. Look, I'll, I'll watch even if it's not that, probably, because, look, I like watching people get punched in the face as long as it's not me. But everybody does need to take it down a notch, and I, I'm not saying that uh, it's going to happen because I think it would probably be a, a major mistake unless it was somebody you know, relatively in the same age range as Mike Tyson. But since this is not like Rocky, what Rocky was it that he fought the the guy that was like the champion and the champion like broke his hand in the first round and then Rocky was able to win the fight. Uh, that was not exactly the strongest material in terms of a script that we've seen in quite some time. Just as well they went with Creed when they came back with the uh, the the material. But no, I, I think that uh, yeah, look, I probably would spend twenty dollars because I spent twenty dollars on far less especially with uh, my wife uh, shopping on Amazon from home every single day. But in terms of if it were an actual fight against an actual professional boxer in their prime, no, I don't think Mike Tyson would win that fight. And I probably wouldn't be all that interested in it. But you believe there'll be an asterisk attached to this championship because of the unique circumstances. I might argue that if you look at the totality of where we are right now, you could almost argue this will be one of the greatest championships ever won, not one of the least important, to overcome everything that it will take to overcome this, to play under the circumstances that we would assume these will be played, and for, I think, the return of the sport to have the meaning that I believe it will for the fans of the game and even beyond, based upon the way we've all been living for these last few months, I wonder if this won't feel like one of the greatest championships that we've ever seen, not one of the least important. All right, so there's Mike Greenberg, uh, of course, host of Get Up, talking about the possible return of the NBA, which seems, as the days go by, I- I'm more concerned right now about Major League Baseball, and it feels like time is the uh, the, the grains of sand are going through the hourglass pretty quickly, and uh, they need to get things up and running, and I'm not really all that optimistic that the NBA will return. But I think Greeny's main point there about this being the greatest or one of the greatest I think the flaw in that is that everybody's going through the same thing, right? Like, so there has to be, if there, if there is a return of the NBA, there has to be a team that wins. So I don't know that that team will have overcome anything differently than every other team in the playoffs. Maybe they've done it better, but maybe it's just because they've, they're just a better team. It doesn't have anything to do with overcoming the, the global pandemic. The other part of it is if, if the NBA does return and whoever wins the title, will they have an asterisk? Here's the thing. Nobody ever has had an asterisk. Barry Bonds has never had an asterisk next to the home run title. Roger Maris had never had. There has been this story that has been put out there that he had some asterisk. And I think people believe it because of the Billy Crystal movie. It's a myth. It never happened. There was never an asterisk next to Roger Maris's name. There are no asterisks. So if whoever does, if the NBA were to return this year, whoever would win will not have an asterisk. Unless it's the Lakers and LeBron James. 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm just kidding. 1-800-919-3776. So the top stories of the morning, the baseball, as we kind of laid out for you in the open, the owners, 
came together yesterday and agreed to what they want, of course, that's not really the issue. The owners all getting on the same page is not really the issue, just as it would not be an issue if all the players came out with a plan and said, okay, this is what we want this year. Right. You're all the same. So, yes, of course, you're going to be all on the same page. It's getting the two different sides on the same page. And, of course, while it's great that the headlines are about, uh, you know, universal DH and an 82-game season, those things are easy. None of those things are a point of contention. The point of contention is making as, as safe a work environment as possible. Clearly, that is a concern. But the main issue is the money. And can the baseball players and owners agree to the financial aspects to at least put themselves in position to return to the field if that opportunity presents it? And I said yesterday, obviously this is a negotiation, so nobody's going to agree to things right away. But at the end of the day, the two sides had better work out an agreement because if there's no baseball because of the medical situation, okay. The health and safety of the players get it. The logistics of just trying to run everything in this time with the world, the way the world is, I understand. But if the owners and players don't have a season because they couldn't agree to how the money shakes out, that will be the most embarrassing thing, not just baseball, really any sport has ever done, especially given the opportunity that they have in front of themselves. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls in. We'll start off. uh, Greg is in East Meadow. Greg, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. You know, of course I'd pay $20 to see Mike Tyson fight. I'd love love to watch Mike Tyson. But listen, George Foreman, after a 10-year layoff at the ripe old age of 38, came back and was considered to be a miracle. right? And he fought for another 10 years until 48. Tyson's already 53 and what? He's probably hasn't picked, probably hasn't laced up gloves and, you know, in the ring, you know, taking real punches in what, 15 years? Yeah, so, 2005 was his last professional fight. Yeah, so listen, the only way he would stand a chance is if somebody was dumb enough to stand in there and try to trade punches with him. Because as we all know, punchers, that's the last thing to go is their power. So he'll take that power to his grave. So the only thing you got to do is stay away from a couple of rounds, and he'll gas out, and then he'll get knocked out like he used to get knocked out at the end of his career. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, uh, look, it would be all—it's all well and good to turn back the clock, and, and maybe part of it is, you know, this this Jordan documentary, the the Bulls documentary, is, is making us all kind of reminiscent for the past. Uh, so, look, I, I get watching Mike Tyson throw punches is fascinating, even at the age of fifty-three. He is still intimidating. He's still, but the reality of the situation is the reality of the situation. Yes. He's a 53 year old man who it wasn't like he went out on top 15 years ago. I mean, he was he was spent by that point. Listen, in the first thought I had with my son, my son showed me that video about a week and a half ago. I don't know if it's the same video, but he showed me a video of him hitting the gloves. My first words was, "Yep, still a savage." Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he can still throw punches. There's no question about that. No, I mean he he can still he can still pack a punch and you know if it were the type of thing where you know somebody of his I don't know how old is um, Evander Holyfield but if Evander Holyfield and and Tyson could agree I'm not saying I'd be proud of it I but I probably would plop down twenty bucks to to watch them uh, go at it I've spent a lot worse money on on things I spent uh, I spent a hundred on that Conor McGregor fight against uh, Floyd Mayweather and I I knew going in. 
I said at the time, I will regret spending this money this way. But you have some disposable income and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, of a circus. So I, I wanted to see it at the time and uh, I plopped my money down. So you can you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. Uh, at Gordon Damer is about uh, Mike Tyson. Would you pay $20 to watch a Mike Tyson comeback fight? I think it's more about the, the situation that we're living in more than what the actual fight would be. Right? Like the fact that we're all kind of stuck in our houses right now. If there were ever a time, and look, the UFC showed you that you can pull off an event like that and get a big, a big attention for, and it kind of plays into the strengths of the sport, right? One guy against one guy. It's not, it's not football. It's not baseball where you got to get a whole bunch of people on the field and clear a whole bunch of people. Now I'm sure there's still, logistics and i know the ufc the 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 the, ran through what was it 1200 tests to make sure that everybody was safe and 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 it seems like the system worked pretty much as as well as it could so look if mike tyson is is hurting for money i don't know that he would necessarily be hurting for money right now it seems like he is kind of and i there was certainly a point where i would not think that at the age of 53 mike tyson would be as seemingly in as good a position as he is in right now but if he wanted to uh, to make a quick buck and probably make a, a few bucks, he could certainly put something together where it would be Tyson. I guess it would kind of depend on the opponent, right? It would have to be somebody that would have name power as well. So I don't know that Evander Holyfield should be getting back in the ring because his career at the end did not look all that good either. So, um, but uh, if there, the problem is not the interest of the public. The public clearly would probably still have the interest, especially given the the time that we are living in right now. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at, at Gordon Damer. And then uh, the other issue that we kind of tackled today outside of, of Tyson and uh, the baseball story was the, the documentary, The Last Dance, which w- coming up this Sunday, it's going to be the actual last dance. I told you people, they should have, they should have maybe spanned out the episodes and lengthened out the episodes and maybe they were an hour and a half and just given us one a week and think that would have lasted us so much longer. But there's been a lot of conversation about like what's the next documentary. I've heard people bring up the 86 Mets, which would certainly have if you're talking about something that would have the 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 impact, the interest and the material to go 10 episodes to me, the, the thing that would be the, the first thing on my list that has not been done to death, because a lot of these sports documentaries have been done to death, would be the Yankees run, the, the 90s dynasty. And you could, you could focus an episode on George Steinbrenner and his impact. You could focus on, you know, the downtimes of the Yankees before that, where they kind of became the laughing stock of baseball. George's suspension, which was an actual suspension, not the thing with Jordan. And then the revitalization of the Yankee brand, which you'd have to say right now is probably as big as it's ever been. And, and not just the 96 championship was the first one in such a long period of time, but then how that kind of spiraled, you know, after, after losing in uh, 97, 98 having almost like the, the, the Bulls team, uh, that uh, went 72 and 10, how they came back that next year and, couldn't be beat 
to me, there is more than enough material. Now, the, the problem with that, of course, is getting the access to people, and, and some might be willing to contribute, and some might not be. You know, Derek Jeter, who would be a, a major focus of all of it, not exactly, you know, I, I don't know if there will ever be a time where Derek Jeter opens up the way that Jordan has kind of opened up in this documentary. And I think you kind of need that. That's the, the best part of the, I think, the whole last dance is the access they have to Jordan and his thoughts. It's not like they're they're putting a lot of contrary opinions to, to Michael Jordan in the documentary. But that's the, the great part of it is having the access to Jordan and his his thoughts and his feelings about that time where he was the major focus. All right, it's going to do it for today. I mean, we're it's already out of time. I say it at the same point of the show every single day. But we'll be back tomorrow starting at 5. Please vote on the poll question in case I haven't mentioned it. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. It is uh, would you pay 20 bucks to watch a Mike Tyson comeback fight so far? Hell yeah is beating Heaven's No. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.